You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Really excited uh, to get into the Word this morning. I love being in the house of God. I love reading His Word, but then being able to communicate it to people so that the Holy Spirit gets to speak to them. And I found the way that I like to do that, and before I say this disclaimer, this is not an original idea. I didn't come up by this by myself. I just figured out this is what I'm good at, and that's to tell stories. And so Jesus was the OG at this. He was the one who pioneered this. Before there was Shakespeare, before there was George Lucas, before there was Tolkien, he was the ultimate storyteller. So I figure if it's good enough for him, if it worked for him, I'm going to give it a shot. We're going to get somewhere this morning. And the point of stories is to do this, is to to use a metaphor, to use a story, and for you to see either yourself in that story or what God's trying to communicate to you through a story, right? And humans, for whatever reason, we love stories. Any movie fans, TV show fans, novels, maybe some novellas, we love stories, because we put ourselves in them or something is memorable or something impacts us or impresses us that we recall and remember. So today we're gonna tell some stories. Here's what I believe the Holy Spirit is gonna do. He's going to bring an awareness to you in a few areas of your life. He's gonna bring an awareness for you to do an inventory on your life. And we're starting a brand new series today. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's a brand new series. It's called Love and War. Pretty cool, right? Just to make sure everyone knows, uh, friendships, relationships, sex, I'm going to stick on friendships today. We're just going to land the plane there. Uh, (laughs) Can't do all of those at once, so it's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about friendships today. But the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is called Friend Finder. Because Pastor John has an Android, he doesn't know what Friend Finder is. Are your text messages blue when you text me? Awesome app for those of iPhone users, awesome app that basically gives you the ability to find one person's location and for them to see yours. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I have this, uh, my wife and I, our phones have allowed each other to, to see this information. And I have to say, it's a, it's a bit of a love and hate relationship uh, to have this app. It's super helpful at times, and at other times, it's, it's, it's very disruptive. And so the, the times that it's helpful is when I come home, long day from work, she's been out doing stuff, and I don't know where she is, right? It saves me the text message, the phone call, where are you, when are you going to be home? Go to the app, find Costco, Trader Joe's, Nordstrom's, again, cool. <laughs> so it gives me an idea of where she's located, right? The bummer about this is that she can also see where I'm at. It goes both ways. And unfortunately, that's ruined a few surprises, uh, times where I'm showing up to try to surprise her for something. It's okay. (laughs) And she gets curious, why hasn't he been texting me? Where is he? She's in Denver. I got on a plane early in the morning, flew to Denver to try to surprise her. She knew about it before I was even there. Okay? Yes, more of that. So it definitely has its advantages and disadvantages. But here's, here's, here's the goal for today. The goal for today is I want you to be able to take a pulse of your life. And I have, I have some guys that I do this with, and I'm going to like give the secret of why I do this. I ask them, we'll sit down, we'll meet, coffee, lunch, over golf, whatever, and we'll, we'll take a pulse, we'll rate our life in certain areas. We use the 1 to 10 scale, that's good enough for us. How are you doing financially? Okay, I'm here. I'm working on this. I'm building this. Okay, awesome. How are you doing spiritually? 
What's the pulse of your life? Yeah, my head's been in the word of God. I've been hearing from him. I've been engaged in church. I just started a connect group. Awesome. Your spiritual life is great. How am I doing physically? Some of these guys are always like 10. I'm like, six. <laughs> and then I ask, how are you doing emotionally and mentally? How are you processing things? How, how are your emotions? How are you feeling? And the, the secret is, and I'm, you know, some of these guys are actually in this room today. The secret is I'm not trying to get them to feel bad or good about themselves. I don't want them to go, oh man, I'm sucking in this area, but I'm doing good in this area. That will come. But really what I'm going after is that they have an awareness of where they are in their life. Does that make sense? And so today I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to identify, bring us an awareness of where we stand relationally, where we stand with our friendships, to take an inventory, if you will, of the people that God has brought into our life. And so the, the big thing for today, the question I want to ask is, is your friend finder turned off or is it turned on? Because when it's turned off, no one can see where you're at. They can't find you. They can't locate you. But you also can't find them. It's a, it's a two-way permission. But when you turn that friend finder on, all of a sudden your location and where you are is exposed. You can now be seen, but now you can also go and find the people that you need to be in relationship. Does that make sense so far? Awesome. Really quickly, before I, before I get too excited for myself, we have a newly engaged couple here in our church. Would Miss Corey... Stand up and show that ring to everybody. Pretty cool. I don't know if you noticed she was worshiping a little bit different this morning. All the people have been blinded behind her, so sorry. Congratulations, you guys. <laughs> Let's pray. You guys ready? Lord, I thank you right now that your Holy Spirit does his job the best. God, you, you show us in our life. God, you help us have an awareness. You give us an inventory. And so today, we're going to focus on friendships. But I believe supernaturally, we're going to have an identification. We're going to have an awareness, not only of where we are and the friends that we have, but of the friend that you are calling us to be. If you believe that this morning, this morning we're going to say, amen. Amen. Because I like to tell stories, I also, also like to use the Bible to back up my stories because a lot of what we talk about has actually already happened. There's actually already evidence and proof. There's already it working out alive and well. And so this morning, I want to read through very, very quickly, I call this rapid fire machine gun reading, some scriptures that prove that God cares tremendously about your friendships. He cares tremendously about the relationships that you have in the life. He cares tremendously about the people who you're linked arms with that are in your circle. And if you don't believe me, here's some proof to back it up. Proverbs 27.9 says, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Okay? Proverbs 17.17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 22.24-20. Notice that the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And it's talking about what kind of friends they have around you. Just a thought. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Okay? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for the labor. If either of them falls down, the other can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to pick them up. Proverbs 27, 17, famous verse says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous, that's you, choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Could we agree the Bible's pretty clear 
about the type of friendships that we're supposed to have in our lives. Pretty clear about the value to the relationships that we're giving time, effort, and energy to. Can we agree? Let's get our amen machine going. Can we agree? Perfect. And so today, my goal is that the Holy Spirit is going to bring an awareness to you if your friend finder is turned on or off, take an inventory of the friends that you have in your life, but then to also have a realization of the friend that he's calling you to be. It's going to be an awesome morning. And I want to tell a story. You guys cool if I tell a story? The story starts in 2014. I moved to the beautiful city of San Diego, nowhere in the world like San Diego, California. That was a, that was a spot for an amen. <laughs> And when I moved here, I didn't really have any friends, didn't really know what the city was about, didn't really know what I was going to do for fun. And so luckily, one of my friends that lived down here had a brother-in-law. Uh, he lives in Carlsbad, who was a rock climber. Pastor John was alluding to, I climb big rocks where I used to before I got married. And he was a rock climber, and he, he found out, you know, I had kind of dabbled in rock climbing. Mostly had just gone to rock climbing gyms, which I didn't really love because they kind of police you the whole time that you're there and, like, tell you what to do. Has anyone been to a rock climbing gym? Yeah, they're awesome. They're growing in popularity, super fun. But he invites me like, hey, do you want to go climbing? I'm like, sure, what gym are we going to? He's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, do you want to go for real rock climbing? Outside, bring your own gear, that whole thing. Immediately, I'm intrigued, right? I'm like, yes, I'm there. Tell me when, awesome. And so we get there and we start climbing and I start realizing this is fun. I'm enjoying this. This is an adventure. I get to be outside. I get to be in high, really cool places. I like the logistics of, of learning the safety. I like the logistics of the gear. I like the, the accomplishment that you feel when you're done. So I'm like, I could get into this. And so this started, she said, uh-uh. <laughs> so this started a few-year journey of me understanding the safety behind rock climbing and the logistics and the history and honestly getting really inspired to do more. And I would say that a huge person in my life at that time and still to this day is Pastor Jason Graves, who was my main climbing partner. And he was the one who showed me the ropes, literally, taught me how to do everything, and was really the person who I would say encouraged and inspired me to dream bigger. And so as we started training, he kept talking about this place called Yosemite. Yeah, those of you who know... (laughs) Yosemite is an immaculate national park. It's in, it's in North, uh, central California. Absolutely beautiful. But the reason he kept talking about Yosemite is because there are massive, massive, humongous, monolith, three Eiffel Tower, Eiffel Towers high rocks to climb there. Rock climbers paradise. So he kept talking about Yosemite. I'm like, dude, we need to go. Like, let's get there. Let's go. And the first moment that I come into the valley, there's this amazing thing called Tunnel View. You've seen pictures. It's on your screensaver. It's awesome. But I remember looking at this one huge rock called Half Dome. We got a picture, Cody, of Half Dome, just to give the people a little... Almost. Nope. (laughs) I mean, that is Half Dome. (laughs) That's okay. You can take that picture down. Half Dome is humongous. It's massive. It's 2,600 feet tall. And Jason had already climbed Half Dome. So what did he, what was he encouraging me to maybe go do? Dude, you can go climb Half Dome. And he put this dream in my head that if one day I practiced enough, got strong enough, trained enough, that one day I too could climb the mighty Half Dome. So he caused me to dream bigger. But he told me also he wasn't going to be my climbing partner on that climb. Because he had already climbed it. He was too old. He had kids and a family and a wife. I'm like, I have a, I have a wife. I have kids. I understand that a little bit better now. But he decided he wasn't going to be my partner. So I had to go find my own partners. I had two buddies who were mildly interested in rock climbing at the time. And I started putting into their mind these little seeds of how awesome would it be 
Can you imagine if? Have you seen? And I started showing them videos and started taking them climbing, and eventually they caught what I was trying to get into them, that together we can go climb this huge rock, this go on this great adventure together, right? So unfortunately, you can't just meet someone and start rock climbing with them and then go climb Half Dome. That's not how it works. There is a year and a half of preparation to, one, learn the logistic skills, two, to be safe, three, to even acquire the gear. If I had been married at the time that I was buying all this gear, I wouldn't have got that. <laughs> Hundreds and thousands of dollars of stuff. And really, we, we focused a year and a half of our lives into getting ready to go climb this massive wall. And the way we did that is we would climb smaller walls. So you climb one wall, great success. Here's what we learned. Here's where we did good. Here's where we failed. Awesome. Let's apply it to the next one. Climb something a little bigger. Awesome. Success. What did we learn? Train. Okay, this is what we need to work. Climb something else. You see what I'm saying? We had this progress to get to the ultimate, the ultimate wall. And eventually we felt confident enough. We got Jason in my ear. Dude, when are you going up there? When are you driving? When are you doing half dome? Got him in my ear, causing me to believe big that we can go do it. Now I feel ready. Let's go climb this wall. And so we drive into Yosemite Valley and we pack up all of our gear. And this is a three-day climb, just to give you an idea. This is not like hiking up the side of Half Dome. Like you don't bring your dog on this hike. Like <laughs> I wouldn't advise going to try this if you've gone to the gym a few times. And you're like, I've got this. It's not like that. There was so much preparation. I mean, we were on the wall for three days. We had sleeping bags. We had food. We had water. Yes, you go to the bathroom on the wall. It's not fun had all of the gear to make us actually be successful on this climb. And so day one, the strategy is you climb a few pitches. Pitches are just, you know, sections of the rock climb. And you leave ropes there, come down, spend the night, eat dinner, sleep comfortably, right? And so the next day, we're waking up. It's 3.30 in the morning. It's pitch black. Because the wall is big, it's going to take us a lot of time. We need to get an early start. And so that day, can I have that gear, please? I'm a props guy. You guys cool with props? Okay, this is a super small amount of what we would take with us. Ropes, harnesses, helmets, carabiners, slings, camel, all of this gear with us. And so what happens is, is that there's one person who's climbing. There's a rope attached to them. I'm going to like break down how to rock climb really quickly. Harness, rope, another person, they're tied into the same rope, and they're belaying the other person. Belaying just means the rope is in their hands. They're responsible for it if the person above falls. Does that make sense? Okay. So as you're climbing, you're placing these little guys. They're called camelots. So they get small, they go into the crack on the wall, and you clip the rope through these to protect you. Make sense just in general? They're engineering marvels. These things can hold up trucks. They're crazy, crazy, crazy strong. And so what happens is, is I'm lead climbing, so nothing above me, rope attached to me. I've got my gear, and I'm climbing. My friend below is belaying me. And I come to this specific piece of gear. This is actually the piece of gear. And in Yosemite and other climbing destinations in the world, what happens to this gear sometimes is it will get too far stuck into the rock. There's cracks in there, and they're flared, and they're just different sizes. And it'll actually get stuck in there so that you can't get it out. It's stuck. And the term for this is called fixed gear. And the protocol for climbers, if I had to do what I did 100 times again, I would do exactly the same thing, is that you clip the piece of fixed gear. And you use it as protection just like you would be placing your own gear. The problem is, is that when I got to this piece of gear, clipped the piece of gear, I was about 25 feet above my last piece of gear. So there's about 25 feet below me in the last piece of gear that I've placed. And what I was doing was I was three feet from a ledge, 
huge ledge. Think about the size of a kitchen table. And typically these ledges are places that you stop in your climb to build an anchor, get your buddies up, get your gear up. They're a nice, comfortable place to stand. Does that make sense? And they're usually marked. You know where they are. You plan for them. And so this piece of gear is there, and I'm three feet. I'm one move from being on the ledge. And I grab this piece of gear. And just so you know, what, what's about to happen does not ever happen. Let me emphasize that this is, this is wild and out there. And so all my weight, I'm grabbing this. All my weight is on this piece of gear as I'm going up for the next hole. Pops. And immediately I'm falling. The fall that I should have taken should have been about 50 feet. But unfortunately, I was stopped at 30 feet. So the way that Half Dome works and many other rocks is that it's not perfectly flat and perfectly straight. There are ledges, there are flakes, there are other rocks that are sticking out. And so as I fell, my right leg got wedged behind a rock, and my body weight kept going. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm hanging upside down from my leg, falling all of my weight on it instantly. You bet you I was in pain. You bet you I was screaming. You bet you the people down in the valley floor are like, what is going on up there? Was terrified. It all happened in an instant. And so I get down to my partners and we decide, pretty obvious decision, hey, we can't keep going. My leg is the size of a watermelon by this point. I'm I'm positive that I've broken, ruptured, torn. I'm in trouble, I'm in pain. And so together we decide, yeah, it's the best decision to go down. We're gonna get off the wall. We're gonna figure out what we need to do. It's still pretty early in the day. We've got time to make it happen. But about 10 minutes after my fall happens, I bust up my ankle, this crazy experience, something even more tragic happens. We would later read in a famous article called Rock and Ice Magazine, they recorded the size of the rock fall that hit us. They weighed it at 21 tons, which if you do the math is 42,000 pounds of granite. Came and toppled on top of my team and I. So think about refrigerator-sized rocks, basketball-sized rocks, grapefruit-sized rocks, golf ball-sized rocks, 26 tons, excuse me, 21 tons, being thrown down on top of us. Imagine the loudest dump truck you've ever heard. And we were exposed. We were right in, right in its path. One of my buddies took a rock about this big directly to his neck, lacerated his neck wide open, about tore his shoulder off. It's a miracle that the rope that he was on didn't get cut. My other partner and I were down below, getting as close to the wall as possible. Our helmet is cracked. We're getting pelted by these rocks and then it's over. There's a weird smell that happens after a rock fall. They call it granite dust, granite smoke. It smells like someone fired a rifle, but times a million. So there's a smell, and I always remember that smell and how, how terrified we were. But we knew immediately that we were really in trouble and we really needed to get down <laughs> very quickly. And so we pulled our rope through all of the gear. I left all of my gear up there, pulled the rope through, and quickly rappelled to the bottom. When we got to the bottom, we were greeted by some climbers that had been at the bottom of the base and were ready to climb. And I'll never forget what this guy said to me. He came up to me first, of course, checked if we're good. Yeah, we're bleeding. Hey, my foot is hurt. He did all the right things. Then he asked the question, or he made the statement, you're so lucky that you fell. He had seen that I had taken the fall and kind of like prompted us coming down. I said, what do you mean I'm so lucky that I fell? Like, this doesn't feel very lucky, man. And he explained to me that if the three feet more that I had to have climbed, if I would have climbed it, if that piece of gear wouldn't have fallen out, that I would have been standing on a ledge that took the brunt of that 42,000 pounds of rock. 
So all of the rock that hit us luckily hit a ledge and then came down. It got broken up. It got dispersed. It wasn't as solid as it was before. And so the realization that because I fell, because that piece of gear came out, which was unlikely to even happen, my life was spared and I survived. And so getting down to the bottom, we realized, okay, well, we're bleeding, we're hurt, we're in trouble. We need to get out of here really, really quickly. And one of my climbing partners quickly thinks, hey, we should call Yosar. Yosar just stands for Yosemite Search and Rescue. And he decided we need to call them. They're going to send a helicopter to come get us. You can put the helicopter picture up now. And so we get life-flighted off of Half Dome. And this isn't, you know, they put you in a helicopter, pull you up, you're in the helicopter, you fly away. That's not how they do it there. They lower a rope to you, you click it into your harness, and they pick you up. Homeboy was flying. It was cool. (laughs) It was really cool. Just to give you some perspective, there's a snow line right there. That's about where we were. Little rock climb, little rock. And helicopter came and rescued us. You guys ready to hear how this matters to you? I've got a few notes. If you're taking them, now's a good point to start. You need to have friends who show you how to dream bigger. You need to have friends who are encouraging you that you can do something big with your life. You need to have friends who encourage you that you are well-equipped or that you can be to achieve amazing things as we walk through this life together. If it had never been for Jason Graves, who in my ears, I believe in you, you can do it, you can climb half to him, I never would have gone on this amazing adventure. And a great instance in my life where this is personal for me, where I had this understanding of what it is to dream bigger is actually when I came to this church. When I came to this church, I had the mindset that if I was a pastor, then that's all I was ever going to be. That's all I ever got to do. That was my only responsibility. That's the one thing that I should get to be. And can I tell you the truth? That ruffled me a little bit, my previous thinking, because I have a spirit of entrepreneurship. I have a desire to create wealth. I have a desire to achieve. I have a desire to be more than just And to tell you the truth, before I came to Awaken Church and had so many great conversations with Pastor John and people like Dr. Matt, who helped me see what is possible, to help me see what I could be, what I could achieve with the power of God. Can I tell you that the way that it felt to me that I was climbing in a rock gym, but had no idea that there was a Yosemite waiting for me. I was climbing in a rock gym and that's what I thought it was. That's what I thought life was. And then I had my eyes open to, no, in fact, there's this great massive Yosemite that's been waiting for you. And so today in the church, God, I want you to to identify, do I have friends who are calling out the best in me? Do I have friends who are believing in me? Do I have friends who, when I get around them, I can't help but feel uncomfortable? Why are you always talking about what could be? Why are you always talking about what will be? What You need to have friends in your life like that. But listen, you also need to be the friend in your life. Are you encouraging people? Are you calling them up and out? Are you believing in their dreams? Are you setting them up to dream bigger in this world? I mean, what does the Bible say about what our lives should be? Should be epic. That's the Sterling version. Should be epic. Second point is this, is who's gonna be on the journey with you? So the journey to to prepare to, to go climb this massive wall took a long time. It was a lot of effort. It was a lot of training. The Bible says this in 1 Samuel 18, 1, 4. It talks about a famous friendship between Jonathan and King David. Famous friendship. It says this, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, his father, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Cool thing about Jonathan is he was there with David in the battle 
fighting days and the Goliath slaying days and the city taking and building days. He was there for all of the wins. But then Jonathan was also the friend on the journey with David when he was running for his life, when he was, af- when he was afraid, when he was out living in the caves and everything seemed to be falling apart. He was the one who was on the journey with him. And so my friends today, I need you to take a pulse. Do I have friends that are going on the journey with me? And am I the friend who's willing to go on the journey with other people? Am I gonna be there for the highs and the lows? Am I gonna be there for the wins and the losses? It's a powerful thing. And one of the most beautiful things about being in the house of God is if you look around, those people are here. Their friend finder is turned on. They want to be on the journey with you. And the thing you have to ask yourself this morning is, is my friend finder on? Am I actively looking for these kinds of people? And am I actively being that type of friend? Does that make sense? Amen. The next one is who you tie in with matters. So I didn't choose my partners and say, hey, right away, let's go climb. I taught them. We worked together. We learned together because our lives literally depended on it. My hand, my life was in their hands. Their life was in my hands. It's this beautiful, sentimental thing with rock climbers to have a partner like that. And there's a quick story. I want to tell it because it's really powerful. There's a story that happened in Yosemite, pretty similar circumstances of three climber friends. One of them is climbing, one of them is belaying, and one of them is just hanging out, right? They're on the ground. And the, the one who's climbing, he's on belay. Because remember that explanation? There's, there's a rope, they're protecting them. And all of a sudden, a huge rock side, similar to the one that hit us, came rolling down the mountain, down the side. Now the guy belaying, when you tell your partner, yeah, you're on belay, what you're telling them is, is I will not let go until you tell me to. I will not let go. It is my responsibility for your safety. Once you make that commitment, until you hear the words off belay, you are committed to being attached. And so this person, as these rocks are, are coming by, he has an instant decision to make. His name's Peter Turbish, he's a hero. He has an instant decision to make. Do I leave and run for the woods like the other guy did? The third guy ran, took off for the woods. He didn't have any responsibility. He wasn't attached to anyone. He wasn't responsible for anyone, so he just took off. But the guy who was belaying made the split-second decision that I'm not going to leave. I'm going to keep my hand on this rope. I'm going to commit to the responsibility that I took. I'm going to commit to the safety of my friend, and I'm going to hold my ground. About seven hours later, they finally get a team up there and start trying to recover his body. And what they find is remarkable. They find that his hand is still gripped to the rope. He still is on belay saved his partner's life, refused to let go when the avalanche came at him. This morning, my friends, I wonder how many of us have friends that we've chosen to tie in with that when the avalanche of life comes, they're gonna make the decision, hey, I'm here, I'm sticking around, I'm not letting you go, I'm not tucking tail and running for the woods. Instead, hey, you're gonna find me right here. There's a, there's a guy in the Bible who did this really well. Do you guys remember Elisha? He tied himself to the prophet Elijah. The Bible says this. I, I like Elijah. He seems kind of like a pestering guy. He said, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. Come on, you gotta decide who you're gonna tie in with. You gotta decide that I'm not letting go of that rope. I'm responsible for you and you're responsible for me, Amen. The next thing, and we're wrapping up here, is that you need to have friends who will hear from God and pray for you 
without you even asking them. And you need to be the friend who will hear from God and pray for somebody without them asking you. One of the most emotional parts of the story for me actually comes up a few years later. And my then uh, girlfriend, Marissa, and I had just started dating. And I'm telling this story to Pastor Ashley and Kenny Robbins. Hey, you used to be rock climber. Yeah, this crazy accident almost died. And I start telling this story and I see something in my wife switch as I'm telling this story. And she asked the question, when did that happen? When was that? Pulled out my calendar, uh, June 5th, 2018. Her face changes. What I didn't know is the same day, at the same time, my future wife was on a prayer walk. She hears from God. And the Lord told her, pray for your husband and that he's safe. We're not even dating at this time. She's up early in the morning praying about other things. And the Lord tells her, pray for your husband and that she's safe. My wife's reaction, now that I know, is a little hilarious. She's going, what in the world? There's a thousand other things to me to be praying about other than pray for my husband and that he's safe. My wife's obedient. She prays, Lord, I pray that you protect him. You cover him. You're with him. She has a journal entry, same date, same time. And here's what I believe. I believe because she prayed without even knowing me, she listened to God, knew what to do. I believe that that piece of gear, miraculously, supernaturally, I'm telling you, for this to have got pulled out is a miracle. And because I fell and because I missed the ledge, my life was spared. I believe that with all my heart. There's power in having friends who will pray for you, even when you don't ask for it. Even when you don't ask for it, there's power in having those friends. The Bible says this, my intercessor is my friend. As he is, my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as he pleads for a friend. Come on, I wanna be the friend that I hear from the Lord and I start praying for my friends before they even ask me. I, I, imagine this church, imagine if days or weeks later, our friends come to us and say, I felt something switch. I felt God showed up and I don't know what, and you get to tell them that you prayed for them. Who would even think to do that, to, to pray for a friend without them asking? Come on, we're the church that's gonna do that. We're the ones who are called to do that. We're supernatural warriors. Last thing is this, is you need to have friends and you need to be the friend who knows who to call in times of trouble. They knew to call the helicopter. They knew to call Yosar. They knew how we were getting out of there. I'm curious today, how many of us, when our friends come to us with the challenges and the problems and the stresses of life, how quickly we are to turn them back to God? How quick are we to point them back to the Bible? How quick are we to remind them that God is a rescuer, that God is the one who reaches his mighty hand out? No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the hurt, no matter what the failure is, and will miraculously and supernaturally rescue you. We need, to, we need to be able to point people back to God. We need to be the, the people, when people come to us with the stresses and challenges of life, we're going, have you got God involved in this yet? That's how we get transformed. That's how we get changed. That's how we allow the power of heaven to meet us where we are, amen? And so this morning, I just want you to know uh, the cool thing about God is he'll speak early for what is now. So about 10 days ago, I heard him say, yeah, you're gonna preach this message and people are gonna be sitting in their seats and the conversation they're gonna have with themselves is, I could never have friends that. I could never be a friend that. I used to have friends, but they, 
Can I tell you right now, if you look around the room, there are people here that God wants to supernaturally connect you. He wants to supernaturally put you in their world and them in yours, because here's why. We need people to call us out to dream bigger. We need people to go on the journey with us. We need to tie into people. We need to have people who will pray for us. We need to have people who know who to call in times of trouble. And then, I wanna do this, you guys can all stand to your feet. We're gonna wrap up this morning. 10 o'clock is awesome. I'm gonna give you two options and, and two opportunities this morning to raise your hands. I'm gonna explain what those two opportunities mean. But the first one, I'm actually gonna ask that everybody in the room raises their hand. Because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something powerful in our congregation, amongst our people, amongst our friendships. So that everyone in the building, just raise your hand, I'm gonna pray. All you have to do is agree. You can nod your head. You can say, yes, Lord. You can say, yeah, that's me. You can say, yeah, I'm ready for it. You just agree this morning. Lord, I thank you right now that supernaturally your Holy Spirit is turning the friend finder on. God, I pray right now you're giving us a supernatural ability to not only find the friends that are meant to be in our lives, to find the relationships and to build them, but God, you're gonna put a stirring inside of us to be the one who actively initiates and is the catalyst to be friends to others. Lord, I thank you right now that in our church, we're gonna be known as dream chasers. We're gonna be known as calling people up and out. We're gonna be known to causing people to see what there is to see and not what they're seeing currently. Lord, I thank you right now in this church, when we tie in together, when we tie into your your word. There is nothing that can separate us from each other. There is nothing that could keep us in harm's way. We are protected by the power of God. And Lord, I thank you right now that every time we call on your name, you are quick to answer. You are near and not far. You are the God who is the rescuer and the redeemer. And so Lord, I thank you that this picture that you are painting today, we have an awareness, Holy Spirit, right now of the friends that we need to have in our life and the friends that we need to be. And if that's you together, we can say, amen. Amen. Yeah, let's give God some praise. Everybody goes out to lunch after that. This is going to be so cool. The next opportunity that I want to give you to raise your hand is, is, is something that's very important, very, very valuable. We talk about it every time that we hold a service or anytime we're together because the opportunity to receive Jesus as your friend is one of the most miraculous gifts that we can have as human beings. And the Bible says this, it says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. God wants to be your friend this morning. He wants to get into your world. He wants you to learn to rely and trust in him. He wants to, to help set you up in ways that you've never thought of being set up. He wants to supernaturally empower you. He wants to see your life completely transformed, but he can't do it without you accepting him. He can't do it without you receiving his power. He can't do it without you opening yourself up and saying, yeah, I wanna be a friend of God. And so this morning with every head bow and eyes closed, I just wanna ask you very, very simply, if you're here today and, and you want God to be your friend, if you wanna receive Jesus as your savior, if you wanna have the opportunity to, to have the creator of the universe be near and dear to your heart, to begin to speak to you, begin to put dreams and innovative ideas in your heart, to be able to show you how to navigate life, to be able to empower you to do things you never thought you can do. All you have to do, the Bible says, is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. And so today, I, I, I don't know if I can't judge, I can't grade if you're believing in your heart. Only you know that. 
But what I can do is I can ask you to raise your hand into prayer prayer. And this is, an, this is a moment of boldness. This is between you and the Lord. And what you're saying is, is, yeah, I want God of heaven and earth to be near and dear. I want God of heaven and earth to be my friend. I wanna receive salvation. So if that's you this morning, I'm gonna count to three. If you raise your hand, what you're saying is yes, yes, yes. Three, two, one. Yeah, God wants to be your friend. God wants to be your friend. Yeah, love it. God wants to be your friend. He wants to know you and for you to know him. Come on, he wants to start speaking to you like never before. He wants to show himself strong. Come on, he wants to show up in situations and circumstances that seem impossible. Bring his power in to transform your life. Yes, thank you, Lord. Yeah, eternities are being locked in right now. An eternity of being a friend of God, a friend of God, a friend of God. Thank you, Lord. We're gonna pray this prayer together. And if, you, if you've already prayed this prayer, you're already a believer, you're gonna pray with our new friends so that we don't, we, feel, we don't feel awkward. Lord, I thank you right now that you are the God of heaven and earth, that today I get to call you a friend. From this day forward, Jesus is my savior, God is my father, and heaven is my home. I'm ready to turn my friend finder on, to be the friend you've called me to be, and to value relationships like you do. Come on, in Jesus' name we said, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.